Well, welcome to another episode of Family Office Secrets. I am so excited to be here today with Johanna Godinius, and we're going to be talking about meditation and more importantly, yoga. In the research on the super rich, what we find is the super rich, those with a net worth of 500 million or more, they regularly meditate. And really here to dive into the different kinds of meditation and specifically yoga, we've got our special guest today. And by the time we finish today, you're going to know how the yoga philosophy fits into your life, regardless of your physical postures. You're going to have a newfound understanding of yoga. And more importantly, you're going to feel excited about incorporating the teachings of yoga into your life. And Johanna works with CEOs and business leaders, helping them improve their, their, their fitness and expand their mind and overcome adversity. Johanna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so excited to be here. So we are going to have a, a lot of fun today, and I'm really excited to get into this because as you and I were just talking a couple minutes ago, there's a little bit of difference between meditation and yoga. Can you go into that? Yeah, well, it's almost like meditation is a part of yoga, or it's a way to yoga, if you want to say it like that. Um, yoga is a lot more than most people associate it with in the West. We have been so accustomed to think of yoga as these crazy postures or having to touch your toes or having to be so strong. And to be honest, you don't even need to have a physical practice in order for you to incorporate yoga into your life. So the actual philosophy of yoga includes eight limbs, and these limbs include meditation. That's one of the limbs, which is the one that gets you the closest to samadhi. So it's the seventh limb. Okay, excellent. Well, we're going to go deep into that here in a minute, but uh, tell me a little bit about how you got started doing this. Well, let's see. I, I started in yoga when I was faced with a career change. Um, after I graduated from my MBA in 2008, I had embarked on the journey of getting a higher education because my father owned a hotel and I wanted to purchase the hotel from my father and I wanted to create a yoga studio on the roof and make it a boutique retreat hotel and I had all kinds of plans for it. So I went ahead, I got my MBA and I got the tools that I needed in order to be able to run that business properly. So 2008 hits and right before that, my dad had gotten an offer on the business and he sold it. Great for him, not so great for me. Mm. Um, I had only owned a business before I had gotten my MBA. So I had owned a racing school and I created it. I built it. I had never worked for anyone. So having a very high degree with little experience, because in the corporate world, if you've owned a company, that's not corporate experience. Um, it was really tough for me to get a job. I went to 32 interviews. There were, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, and the industry there had died. So there were so many managers with years of experience looking for the same positions that I was. So I wasn't being considered. Um, that hit me mentally. I'm a go-getter. I am consistently moving, shaking, and making things happen. So mentally, I declined. And through depression, uh, I went to a psychologist who said, you need to just work out. And I was like, well, are you calling me fat? <laughs> but, um, so I did a little research and found out the benefits of, of moving and your endorphins. And I really got deep into yoga and exercise. And I decided that that would be my life. 
and uh, that embarked this whole new change of creating wellness into a business. So that's how I got started in that. Wow. Well, I just want to back up, right? And if you're listening to this, right, imagine for a moment that, right, you're going to school, you're getting your MBA so you can come out and run your dad's hotel. And all of a sudden you graduate after all these years of hard work and your dad sells the business, right? And I'm guessing that's exactly what happened to you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. What, what a shocker. No wonder you got led into a little bit of a depression. And, and how many job interviews did you say you went to? 32. I wow. will never forget the number. Wow. Now, now there I had a, a major mental breakdown at number 32. Wow. So. Well, well, there is a lesson in 32 right there, right? That shows persistence and it shows tenacity. And so that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother mindset. But uh, so, so you went through this, right? You, you really kind of, you know, were able to, to overcome adversity. What, what role did, did yoga play in that? And what were some of the things that, that you were learning through the practice of yoga to help you? overcome that adversity? Uh, yoga made me realize that all of those things that were happening were not happening to me, but I wasn't that person. I was what's observing this experience that this human is having, and it allowed me the chance to disconnect from what was happening and to come up with solutions instead of problems. So one of the main views or, or things that I teach my clients is that your mind has space for only one thing. And I started teaching this in racing. I would call it your mind has attention, $1 worth of attention. And that comes from Inner Speed Secrets. It's a book by Ron Lanford. So in that book, he says that you have a dollar's worth of attention and where that dollar goes will determine your results. So if I'm driving a race car and some of my attention is on a tire that feels like it's shaking, I'm not able to drive the car to the limit because I'm worried about what's going on. So my attention is being shifted and it's being fragmented. The same thing happens in life. If you have a problem and your attention is in the problem, there's no way you can fragment that attention and start coming up with solutions. You need to shift your awareness and your focus altogether. So it's that shifting of awareness and attention that yoga teaches you. And meditation is one of the tools that you can use to learn to do that. Interesting. I'm already hearing a lot of parallels in ways this can be very, very applicable in the, the business world, right? If you've ever worked with coaches, if you've ever, you know, you, you read a little bit of Michael Hyatt, you know that focus is so important, right? I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to Michael Hyatt, right? My full focus planner is right here because Johanna, like, like you're saying, we've only got so much attention that we can pay each day. And sometimes I'm so broke, I can't even pay attention. But right, we, we've got to focus on, on certain things. So, so how does yoga to help us do that yoga gives you the ability to sit back with without feeling like anything is happening to you or affecting you and gives you the ability to look at things from the outside so what happens is we talk about multitasking a lot and i laugh when people talk about multitasking because multitasking does not exist like your focus can only go into one place can you have more than one thing that you're working on? Yes, but that's multitasking at a different level because your focus when you are on a task is on that task, regardless of the other tasks that you have. But then you must complete the tasks in order to move on and in order to stay organized. And that's where yoga helps business. Even though when I work with CEOs, I often do not mention the word yoga 
maybe not even once, unless they're ready to incorporate a physical practice or a, a deeper state of meditation. But when I'm organizing them, I am still using the philosophies of learning how to focus, understanding how to shift your mind, uh, scheduling yourself. You know, yogis are dedicated. They get up. I mean, I get up at four in the morning and I have my routine and I'm working by five in the morning. Like, like, and that's just, it's just, you create these measures for yourself that are higher standards. And that's part of what yoga leads to, which is why many CEOs incorporate aspects of yoga whether they know that they're doing it or not okay interesting so so as you were getting started with this right did you have any formal training or how did you start learning about all of these different practices uh i'm a curious bee um so when you learn more about yoga you learn that there's different paths of yoga so i am what's called a gyana yogi so uh, my path is knowledge i love to learn uh, most of my time in yoga is spent learning and, and teaching others and attempting to apply what I learn in different ways so that I can impact as many people as I can. So that's how I apply yoga. Now, I, I also have a yoga school, but that's a different story in terms of my personal practice. So when you understand that yoga depends on a lot of different things and it doesn't have to be physical, you realize that when you want when you re when you want something it's at your fingertips you just need to just go out there and grab it right so i just started searching so in 2008 i got a little deeper into yoga i went to my first yoga studio and and i fell in love with it i was already in the fitness world leading wellness programs for corporations but i was not a yoga teacher so yoga was in my body i was physically practicing in a studio but i was not a leader and in 2011, uh, my studio was holding a teacher training and my teacher looked at me and said, why aren't you doing this? And I was like, are you kidding me? I don't teach yoga. I'm too up, uppity uppity. Yoga is my practice to help ground me. It's not something that I, and he looked at me squared in the eye and said, how can you hoard the one thing that you consider so valuable? Wow. <sighs> Wow. Oh, talk about a shift. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> it took literally like three weeks and I was taking the training. And uh, I have never looked back because that's what opened my eyes to what yoga truly was. And it's how I've now been able to, to incorporate yoga in every aspect of what I teach others, whether that's to be yoga teachers themselves or to just have a more organized life so that they can manifest the things that they want and the things that they're working on. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so as you, you, as you started this process, then were you, was it an overnight success? Did you get results right away or was it a process? Oh no, it's been a process and it's been evolving. Uh, so first 2008, I started in wellness and I continued doing that. And then I really started, feeling more so I'm a big universe person like the universe guides me and I follow like I I'm not in control of where I go I am told where I am needed and then I adapt whatever I'm working on to be able to work with those people so that's how my life has always been right so from race car driving to, to wellness to corporate everything 
So in 2014, I started really getting a call to helping children. So I developed the whole program for autistic children using uh, movement and music to be able to help them cope with social skills and communication skills and learning right and left and up and down and being more comfortable being around people and, and expressing themselves. And uh, it was one of the most accessible programs that they have ever had. And this was in, in New York in the Bronx. Um, and slowly through that, I, I started a nonprofit with one of my clients who I was working with as a CEO, incorporating yoga and meditation into his life. And when we dug deeper into what he wanted out of life, he really wanted to help children as well. So we started a 501c3. It's called the American Education Project. And it takes kids um, that don't have the opportunities or the backing to go to school, puts them through projects that teach them what they're good at, what their gifts are. And then we put them through a, uh, either a school or a trade that's going to build and hone on the schools that they are or the skills they already have. And then when they come out, we either help place them or help them find loans that they need or grants that they need in order to start their own businesses. We don't, we don't believe in people working for other people. We attempt to make as many entrepreneurs as we can. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is absolutely incredible, right? What a journey that you have been on and, and the ability to just serve so many people. That is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I, I know as a, a business leader myself, you know, you're a business leader also and so many business leaders, right? We're, we're aware of the, the potential of our minds and we, we try to do little things to right, help optimize our minds and, yeah, you know, think better. But but when it when it comes to the things that you've seen in working with CEOs and and business leaders, what are some of the the mistakes that you see people make when it comes to to really understanding the potential of their minds? Uh, there's two. One, uh, being overreactionary, and two, not having enough help. Okay, let, um, let's dive into those. So, being overreactionary. Let's talk about that for a moment. What does that mean and what does that look like? Uh, being overreactionary means that you don't take your time to truly look at the situations and understand all the angles of the situations before making decisions. What happens is that that creates chaos in your mind and in your team, right? Because if you say something today and then you change your mind tomorrow, and one person missed out on what you said tomorrow, now your team is not even on the same page, no one knows what they're doing, and then often communication just isn't there at all. Um, so that creates one major obstacle. And then you just really need to, the more you can focus, the better. So the second one, you just need to find a way to get help so that you can focus. So the more you can understand what those things are that get on your nerves that you have to do all the time that somebody else can do for you easily, though, really, like, like sit back and be like, I hate sending these emails. I hate answering my phone message. What is it? What is it? Figure out what it is and then hire someone to do that for you. Or if there's something that you know that you're not as skilled at, Find someone who's more skilled, hire them to do it for you. Because either getting the skill will take you time. And we all know time is money. And if time is money, then you having to gain a skill to be able to do something properly is a waste of time and it's a waste of money. Mm -hmm. So then hire someone who can do it for you. So getting help is huge. 
it's admitting you need it first and admitting that there's other people that are better than you at certain things. So, so again, yoga helps us with that because we drop our ego. Mm. Yoga helps you understand that you're not better than anyone, but no one's better than you. And once you start understanding that, then you shed all of that, like all those trust issues created through the ego. And then you're able to allow just more insight and more knowledge and more people that are going to be better for you and are going to serve you better because they're going to have the knowledge and the skills that, that you need to complement to you. So yeah, those two huge. Okay. Uh, interesting. Right. And I want to, I want to camp out there a little bit because right. This to me is fascinating because you know, when we first talking about that, right. Me is me as a, you know, kind of naive person that doesn't necessarily know a lot about, you know, 5,000 year old practices. I'm thinking, well, you know, delegating and, you know, finding other people to do things that I don't know how to do. That sounds kind of like basic business coaching, but the reality is there's something deeper there. And you started to, to hit on that. And that's how yoga can, can help us do those things even better. And so can you talk exactly. a little bit about that kind of where those practices come from in yoga? Cause like I said, from, you know, from my kind of naive standpoint, it, it, it I don't hear yoga anywhere in there, but there absolutely is that aspect of some 5,000 year old teachings. Absolutely. So there were a collection of books called the Vedas, which were written 5,000 years ago. And it was a collection of experiences of a bunch of people who went out in nature and just were there sitting in silence. And then they got together after having their own experiences, shared their experiences and found the commonalities. The Vedas were really hard to understand. So in 4,000 years ago, the Upanishads were written that kind of condensed the Vedas and made them more understandable and more applicable for those times. 2,500 years ago, Patanjali wrote the Yoga Sutras. And that's really what changed yoga as we know it. Because now yoga as a philosophy was completely laid out. Now note that in this book, there is not one posture of yoga mentioned because mm. yoga is not written as a physical practice, but written as a philosophy. And there are two main points in that book out of the four chapters that I'll tell you so that you can start to get your mind wrapped around it. The first one is yoga chitabriti nirodaha, and that's Sanskrit, and it means yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of your mind. Mm. So the goal of yoga is to seize the fluctuations, the stories, the past, the future, those thoughts that don't serve you in your mind. That's one. The second one is asana sthita sukha. And that means that whenever you are going into action, you must stay there with focus, and ease with focus and ease going into any action. So when you apply this at any level in your life, you can see how if I want to complete a task as a business owner, as a mother, as a teacher, as a student, as any person, I need to seize the fluctuations of the mind in order, in order to focus on what I want. And I need to place as much action as I can into getting what I want. 
but I also need to know when I need a break, when I need to back off and when I'm going too hard and overextending myself. That's where the action and the ease come. Wow. Well, right, right. And for everyone listening, this is exactly what you are doing right now, right? You, you know, to, to listen to us, to watch this, you've got to tune other things out. You've got to focus your mind. So my mind is blown going through some of this stuff. And it's almost as if I, I guess a lot of our, our business gurus today, if, if they knew their histories, they'd be saying, this is where I got this stuff from. Exactly. And, and it's important because this helps people in every aspect of life. Like not even a week ago, I was speaking to recently released prisoners at a halfway house on how to incorporate into moving forward into their life after prison. Because again, you can incorporate this in any way. And I want to give you a little more about the last important thing that was in that book. And it's called the Yamas and the Niyamas, which are part of the eight limbs of yoga. So the eight limbs of yoga work with any religion or it's a spiritual practice. So you don't need to be even be religious to incorporate it into your life. But these eight limbs start with the yamas and the niyamas. And it's basically how you treat others and how you um, conduct yourself in society and how you treat yourself. The yamas are like ethical um, social standards and they involved kindness, truthfulness, not stealing, um, um, moderation, generosity. And then you have your niyamas, which are your personal observances, right? How I take care of myself. And that's cleanliness, which is uh, santosha, purity. You have contentment, austerity. You study and you surrender, knowing that there's something out there bigger than you, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. Just knowing that there's something that gave you life and power. And then once you understand those two comes the physical practice of yoga, which is what we know, which is asana and pranayama. And pranayama are your breathing exercises and asana are your body postures. From there, you move into concentration, which is what's needed in order to go into meditation, which is what needed in, to go to samadhi. So once you go through your asana and pranayama, you start to understand how to withdraw your senses and come in. That's the fifth one. And that's kind of the, the point that separates what most people know about yoga with what yoga truly is and why anyone can incorporate it. Because, mm -hmm. Oh no, go ahead. Because you don't, you may not need to do asana or pranayama, but by incorporating concentration sense withdrawal concentration and meditation you can still reach samadhi or that understanding that you and i are one hmm. that we share a soul that we share this energy that gives us this vitality or this prana of life right and it's almost as if kind of in the western world here there's been a separation of maybe all the different practices is right you see yoga that's, that's something you do at your gym right you show up for an hour and do some poses and go home I, and I think maybe that's the introduction that most of us have. Yeah. And that's why my school is called Beyond Asana Yoga. So that's exactly mm. what it means. It means going beyond the posture and back to the practice and the philosophy of yoga. And, and the teacher that teaches it with me is from India. And he's deep into the philosophy of yoga. Because you can't tell everyone that yoga is for everyone 
and then make it a practice that there's no way that they can do because then how do you, how does everyone apply it? So yoga is for everyone because it's not just that thing that you see in the classroom and it's for everyone because if you can do the practice in a chair, there's a way that we can modify it for you, no matter how hard it is for everyone else. So it's, it's understanding the philosophy makes it so that everyone can find something to apply into their lives to reach the same thing that we all want. So there's two things about humans. There's the thing that makes us all unique, which is what we are internally, our internal purpose. And there's the thing, the external thing that we are all here to do. The one thing that we have inside that we're all trying to do is reach our soul and be happy. Get in touch with our true nature and be happy or have peace of mind. Everyone wants that. Externally, we're all going to get that in a different way. Because everyone has a different purpose. For me, it's changing the education system. I believe that our children are not taught any of this, and that's a disservice to our society. I understand why it's done, because a whole generation of free thinkers could cause a little bit of ruckus in what we have established as society. However, it's time. It's time for our kids to grow up understanding that they have a gift, and that when we as parents, and I'm not a parent, but when we as parents have a chance to actually look at what they are good at and at their gifts, we have the ability to give them tools that will help them survive and cope in this existence and in this way that we've created society that'll make them just able to cope better as adults. Because we notice that right now there's adults that are not coping well at all. And these are the things that they're missing to be able to sit back to be able to know that there's something bigger than them, to be able to know that this experience isn't happening to them. It's just happening. They're just aware of it. And it's their stories in their mind and how they're connecting them to themselves that are creating the suffering, not what's happening itself. How fascinating. Wow. I know my mind is certainly being expanded <laughs> through this conversation. And, and if you're listening, I'm hoping your mind is being expanded by all these wonderful things that, that we're learning today. And so, Johanna, as you've been working with, with business leaders, right, what are some, some fears that you see holding them back from, from implementing these practices into their companies and into their lives? Oh, change. I mean, change is always the biggest one. Um, the inability to look outside the box. You, you only know what you know. Um, I'm part of my certifications are in Mastermind Alliance Association. So part of what I'm equipped to do is have masterminds in your business with your managers and help you understand how to lead those yourself. So I train you on how to incorporate that into your team so that you can grow. I mean, it, it's, you grow at another level. Because one, you involve your team. But again, you have to step out of your ego. A, a lot of this starts with stepping out of your ego and saying, there might be someone who's working the line in my business that's smarter than me. And if that person has an idea on how I can make that line more efficient, I should be able to have that information and give him something because he gave it to me and implement it and make him own that. Because then I'm also holding them responsible for their potential and helping them grow. And that's, that's where, where when I work with businesses, a lot of it, the change is the hardest part because you need to change the way that you operate in your business and you need to change the way that you see your employees. 
your employees are your business. Your business is not your employees. Your employees do not depend on your business. Your business depends on your employees. And once we start shifting that and just changing that mindset a little bit, we're able to start incorporating ways for people to feel like they're actually a part of the company instead of just a nine to five job. Yeah, do you have an example where I don't want any names or anything, but, but what's, what's a company that you've been able to kind of work through and incorporate some of these practices and what did they look like before and what do they look like after? Take us through what that transformation actually looks like. Sure. Um, currently, we're working with a wellness company. It's run by a psychologist and um, they are used to going into businesses and creating wellness programs in the businesses, but they do it in a way where like the company has a wellness day and they come in and they have these speaking engagements for these companies. They also have another part of that is like a therapy thing where they have people that would go out into people's homes and give them prescribed therapies. Knowing that COVID completely changed that, uh, she didn't know what to do or how to react because most people are technologically challenged, not because they don't understand technology, but because they don't understand the resources that are available to them. So understanding how to use them is one thing, but if you don't know that they're there, knowing how to use them is worthless to you. So after um, this person and I connected, I, again, I believe that the universe puts people in places when they need to be. So this person and I met in 2008 in a yoga retreat. And she contacted me in March and just randomly on Facebook. And she told me what she was doing. I told her what she was. And it, she was like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for you. I've been asking the universe for you. So ever since uh, March 28th, when she used to just send people and do all that, we have created a full online service with three different membership categories. One is like $39.99, one's like $59.99, and one is like $89.99. The first one covers um, just the activities that were happening on a regular basis. So for example, if they had a yoga teacher going into a facility, like those are now all in one category. And now the companies are just members of that category. Or they have another category, which is the wellness category, which then teaches you how to cook and how to grow your own food and stuff like that. And then the next category is the full blast psychology, where you have mindfulness and you have uh, a bunch of other programs that she runs. So what we did was we completely switched her business. <laughs> now it will be completely virtual. She will never, ever, ever go back to being a live person unless she chooses to do retreats or something in the future, she'll never have to. Um, we found there's a HIPAA, a HIPAA compliant uh, site that she uses that she can take all the insurance information through. She can keep all the client's information. So we made sure that we incorporated that and all of the, um, and created all of the manuals for everyone to understand how they had to manage the information and created all of the documents that people have to sign in terms of um, liability for the people that have different types of access to the back end of the website. So, I mean, there was a lot of things that we have to do, but as of July 6th, 
the website will be live and it will start running. So that was April, May, June to put a full business online to create courses. We have 24 courses. Plus I'm offering my Beyond Asana Yoga in Spanish for them as well. Cause I figured if I'm going to help you, I can help you with that too. So uh, we did a little trade there. So oh it's God. also, it's also how can we help each other, you know? So, yeah. Oh, very, very cool. So, so a complete business transformation in what, three months? About? Right. Taking <gasps> That's absolutely incredible. Wow. Masterminding. It's all about masterminding. Yep. yep. Now, now you also have a, a course, right? The, it's a, 200 hour online course. Is that my understanding? Yep. And it starts July 30th. We're going through one right now that started on June 11th and will be done. Uh, August 1st will be our graduation for that one. Okay. But yeah, and it, and it's called Beyond Asana Yoga School. And it's all about not only understanding these philosophies and these different meditation styles, different yoga styles, but how to incorporate them into your life, where you can find more resources about them. And uh, whether you want to be a teacher or you just want to really understand yoga, either way, it's a great practice. Um, we learn about communication skills, about learning styles, uh, anything that you can imagine that you would need not, not to be a teacher and to understand the actual practice of yoga so that you can inform other people, but therefore inform yourself. Um, so right now, only one person that's in the program actually wants to be a teacher. <laughs> Everybody else just is really interested. And, and even though you will teach during the program, you have less responsibility than the ones who want the actual certification. So um, there's a discount for people who just want to take it as a, as a personal growth um, practice. So and yeah. where, can they find, where can our listeners find out more about this, this course? Beyond asana yoga.com, or they okay. can just call me 815-501-5070. Would love to tell you more about it. And you can also call me if you want to brainstorm something that you've been thinking about and you want some outside knowledge. Okay. Well, I, I've been trying to decrease my lap times by half a second. Can you help with that? Absolutely. <laughs> All I need is give me five laps and a video cam and I got you. Just make sure I can see you're shifting and where you're going. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, one of my favorite things to do is actually go up to Monterey every year for Monterey Car Week. And I love the vintage car races because there's nothing more fun than seeing a $2 million Bugatti getting sideways at Laguna Seca. That to me is just about as fun as it gets. Yes, yeah, I used to always joke around that there's no way that I would buy an expensive car because I had people letting me drive their Lambos and their Porsches and their Ferraris and their Corvettes. So it's like, why would I spend money if I just get to beat up on all these other people's cars? I'm like, come on. Exactly. But, but to me, that's what makes Monterey Car Week so fun is you've got these classic cars that were built for racing still coming out but but we're getting off topic just a little bit so so here you are right you're doing a lot of teaching right you've got your online course right is this the end of the road for you or are you still making new discoveries and being able to to go deeper into what you know and what you're able to share with others too what's next oh, my my plan lasts until i'm 154 so i'm hoping that somehow by then they've found that gene that extends our life and found how to unlock it and mess with it because uh, I'm going to need a lot more time. But so I wrote a book. I needed to get published. I'm working on a 
children's books to start to get into the education system and start to get known by people in that arena. Um, so I'm working on a, on that. I'm getting some investors for that. So if, if you know anyone or anyone's interested on, it's a program for ages eight to 11 and it's going to teach them. Basically it's going to bring reading back by gamifying reading. So uh, it's a really cool concept. Um, we just need to get some ghostwriters to help us write it the right way so that it lands the way that we want it to. And of course, that's not my forte. So as I spoke to you, I want to find the right person who this is going to land with, who's going to say, yeah, I want to write these books and be a part of this program. Um, and then we have some photographers that are a part of it as well, because that's part of the concept. So it's, it's really exciting. We're looking for uh, about $200,000, but we can make that back in less than a year. Uh, and we have the medium, we have the way, we have the plan. So it's just finding the people that want to get involved, that want to change the education system. I mean, it, it's, it's all about teaching children how to cope with life. And if you're having a hard time as an adult coping with anything that's happening right now, we... If you were given these tools when you were a child, you would be much more equipped to be coping with, with what's going on right now. Um, so that's my, my ultimate vision is to, to change fully the education system and make it experiential so that people can actually learn what they're good at what they're, and, and start living their true passions and, and living a happier life, doing what they love and sharing their gift. That's the goal. Fantastic, right? What a mission you're on, and I, and I just love that that education piece because I think that's so important for 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 everyone out there. You know, the way I coped with everything was a decade and a half of therapy in my thirties, right? I, I had to do a lot of therapy and learn a lot of skills that I really wish I would have had as a, a child. So kudos to you for for making a difference where it matters. And yeah, and it's crazy because. Most people think that, um, like, if they hear of how many things I'm working on, they always say, well, there's no way you're going to be able to do all that because they're, you're working on too many things at once. But like, I, but like I mentioned before, it's all about understanding when what needs to be done and keeping always the bigger picture in mind. So everything that I teach bleeds into everything that I do. I just need to find a way that it's going to land with you. So if you're a CEO, it's going to land with you different than if you're a hippie girl, right? So I have ways to land for both of you. Okay. If you're a teacher, it's going to land different than if you're a kid. If you're a mom, it's going to land different than if you're a grandparent, right? So it's, for me, it's all about finding how many people can I reach? How many different ways can I say this so that it can reach as many people as possible and change and plant as many seeds as possible to, to, to elevate as many lives as possible. Because it's all about elevating the vibration of this universe. That's it. This planet just needs a little uplifting. Yeah, no, well, well said. And, you know, and it's interesting because that's what comes out in a lot of the research among the super rich is, is these are people who are already significantly wealthy, right? Net worth half a billion or more. And as I've helped underwrite that research, we ask them a real simple question. Do you want more money? And the vast majority of them say yes. And it's not for selfish reasons. The reason they want to continue to, to grow their wealth is three primary things. Number one, they want to take care of the people they love. Number two, support the causes they care about. Number three, which is the direction you're having, you want to have that impact 
on the world and change the world for the better. And so I, I couldn't think of a, a better topic and a better discussion to be having right now today in the midst of everything that, that's going on. And so Johanna, we've certainly talked about a whole bunch of stuff today. And, and how would you sum up everything that we've discussed today? Just kind of a, a few final thoughts. You have the power to manifest anything you want in your life, as long as you believe it and you start taking action. And the action can be going online, looking something up, making a phone call. Um, everything that you want is just some work away. And the bigger it is, the more work it will take. But failure only happens when you decide not to try again. Mm. If you keep trying, there is no failure because nothing says this is the last thing that you can try. There's always something else that you can do. There's always something, some other way, some other person that you can contact, but just always understand that you have to be willing to give as much as you want to get. Otherwise, you're not aligned with what you want to manifest. And, and yeah. Well said. So, so great words of wisdom. And then how can people listening connect with you? Again, please give me a call. 815-501-5070. Shoot me an email. Johanna.godinez at hotmail.com. And um, right now, there's a lot of companies that are scrambling to figure out what they want to do again hit me up uh, it's 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 been a journey just being able to be a part of other people's growth and somehow the universe has paid me tenfold so any way that I can continue to serve others like I do not want to see what's happening happen which is middle class and entrepreneurs and business owners having to give up everything they've worked with I, I can't, I don't want to. And if I have any say in it, I will help you in any way I can. Well, excellent. Well, hey, thank you for being a great guest. You've been listening to Family Office Secrets. We've been talking about the power of your mind and how you can use that power of your mind to really have an impact in the world. Johanna, thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you for having me. Have a beautiful day.